Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Seems strange standing here after such a long time, but life moves on, and Ian's having a well-earned rest this week. Um, so, good morning. We're going to be looking at Rejoice in the Lord Always. Last time, Ian reminded us of God's mercy and how we are to rejoice in God's mercy. But Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And we've come this morning to think about rejoicing in the Lord always. I'm not sure how the last six months have been for you, but for me they've been some of the toughest I've known through various different reasons. To the extent I even had to reach out to a counsellor, which Ian reminded in the first sermon in this series, that, are, that they are a gift from God. And at the time, they were a gift of God to me. But they can bring their own sense of guilt. Surely as Christians, we should be strong enough. We should be rejoicing in the Lord always. And do we need their help? But sometimes I think we reach our limits. Jesus wept himself. Jesus had to spend time away with his father just to be quiet, just to know him again and be close to him. I went down to Crowhurst Healing Centre on retreat the other week just to get away, just to spend some time with my heavenly father, to be quiet, to rest in his love and his long arms. And if we are to rejoice always, then I would say that we need to find space to be refreshed by God and know his healing in our lives. In the message, it reads this in Matthew chapter 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything on you that is too heavy or ill-fitting. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In these current times, I'm having to learn again to live freely and lightly in these days. I've had to make myself vulnerable at times during this last six months, to rely on family and friends, more than I've ever done before. And the positives for me, I guess, from this situation with COVID, is that I'm relying less on myself. I'm having to trust in God's providence, God's grace, God's love for me that knows no end. And receive help through family, friends and the NHS. And you may not be able to get away with God or out of your own house. But God, through his Holy Spirit, will meet you where you are. And today I can rejoice that God has been with me 
in these difficult situations. And he's with me today. And he has been with me my whole life. And I can rejoice in that today, always. Paul, when we read this letter, was not in a great place either. He was getting older. He was locked up in a cell with no option of escaping. He couldn't meet with these fledgling churches. He was just hoping that he would receive another meal and some water. Friends did visit, but did they bring comfort? Probably not. They brought news of opposition against the church, grumbling and disunity in the church, news that he was being maligned by his enemies. He hears reports of sin and strife among his friends. What could he do from a prison cell apart from get frustrated? Paul's only option is to write a letter, to pray, to share God's love where he is at in prison. Trusting in all that he had learned from God in the past. I wonder, would we have got this letter from Paul if he hadn't have been in this difficult situation, locked up in jail? Yet, in the midst of all of his troubles, he says, rejoice always in the Lord. Paul's hope and confidence was in Christ, his word and its promises, and not in his circumstances. I think Paul could rejoice always because he had seen God act graciously in his life beyond what he could have ever imagined or dreamt. And he knew his final destination, that one day he would be with God in heaven. However, Paul wasn't just hanging around waiting for heaven. Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is, it, is near and it's here now. Heaven is right here, right now. Which is why Paul can rejoice. He knew God's presence in his life. He knew the Holy Spirit working through him on a daily basis. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Or in other words, be anxious. It's a promise for today. God's peace and God's joy in our lives. We don't have to wait to heaven to receive that blessing. Paul starts his letter in Philippians with the words, Grace and peace to you from our Lord our Father and Lord Jesus. I used to think the Holy Spirit was, was there to do the spectacular things that we read about or we can read about in the book of Acts. But a better indicator of God's Holy Spirit in our lives is our joy and our peace. What issues in life are trying to keep that joy from us? What issues in life are trying to steal our peace? our rejoicing. What is keeping us imprisoned and weary? Do we need to bring our prayers and petitions, our requests and our confessions to God to receive God's mercy so that we can walk in step with the Spirit and rejoice in the Lord, even in the watching and waiting times? But can we really rejoice always, in every situation, 
in those difficult situations that we face every day? Are we supposed to be happy and rejoicing all the time, every minute of every day? I don't think Paul did rejoice in every situation. In chapter 2, verse 28, he acknowledges his anxiety, yet later he writes, do not be anxious about anything. I would suggest, just after being flogged, that he didn't have the energy to be joyful. However, his joy was still not based on his life circumstances, but in the Lord's grace, in the Lord's love, and the Lord's faithfulness to him. Many of the people that we can read about in the Bible face difficult situations. Take, for example, Joseph. He was loved, sold into slavery, falsely accused, then thrown into prison, given the hope of escape, only to be thwarted again. But yet when he was escaped, he rose to be second in charge of Egypt, but still had to deal with family strife and all the challenges that that brings. I think Paul was just setting the benchmark for us in this letter to us and to the Philippian church. Just like eating our five-a-day fruit or doing regular exercise, if we can rejoice in the Lord always, life can change. Not because we have to rejoice, but because we want to rejoice in all that God has done for us. We can lift our eyes as we've already worshipped and sung and know God's love and God's presence with us. Psalm 5 verse 11 says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. God's message in the Old Testament and the New Testament is exactly the same. God wants joy, love, thankfulness to overflow in our lives day by day. But sometimes we have to let go of things. We have to let God be God to receive God's blessings and God's direction. Romans 15:13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord a lot, meaning rejoice in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His rejoicing wasn't in his strength or in his abilities, but in God's love and in the name of the Lord. Names conveyed such a lot in the Bible. God often changed people's names. Abraham became Abraham, the father of nations. Simon to Peter. God himself had many names in the Bible. Jehovah Elohim, the eternal creator. Jehovah Adonai, the Lord our, so- the Lord our sovereign. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jesus' name literally means to save and to heal. Paul knew firsthand how Jesus had met him and saved him and healed him and shown him God's love and mercy on the Damascus road. So when Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always, in the name of the Lord, he comes both with an understanding of the Old Testament and all that God had done for his people, but also a close, intimate friendship with Jesus, who he had met, who he had loved, 
that had spoken to him. But he also came with the reliance on the Holy Spirit to be his guide, his comforter, working through him, providing the power to preach and to heal and to minister God's grace to those around him. So when Paul writes about his relationship in the Lord, he has confidence. He can write, Because of my chains, most of my brothers in the, in the Lord have been encouraged. In chapter 2, verse 19, I hope in the Lord. In verse 24, I am confident in the Lord. In verse 29, So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Chapter 3, verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1, stand firm in the Lord. And finally, in chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. So how is your relationship in the Lord? In some ways I find it easier to rejoice in the Lord when everything's going swimmingly and we can come and rejoice and, and be joyful. And at the other end of the spectrum, when I have nothing left, I'm at my wit's end, at the end of my own resources. I found it easier to rejoice then because I've got nowhere to turn to. When Job had lost everything, he bent down and worshipped the God because God had provided everything so far for him, provided many blessings in his life until that day. He worshipped God because God doesn't change, even though his circumstances had. Job continues to worship and rejoice in the Lord, even in his difficult situations. At my lowest points over the last few months, all I could do was put on the UK blessing, the blessing song, on repeat. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you. May his presence go before you, behind you. And we, as a church, created our own version of the blessing. It helped me rejoice in the difficult situations I found myself in. I wasn't always happy, but I could rejoice in the Lord. I could rejoice that God was with me and for me and with me. For me, the hardest place to rejoice is somewhere in the middle, when we think we've got over the worst of it and we're trusting in our own strength, not trusting in God and waiting in God patiently for God's grace and provision and God's unconditional love to lift us from our despair and depression. We think we can almost do it ourselves and we abandon God. In trusting in God's grace and providence, I'm not saying that we should do anything or nothing. Be like Mr Tickle and reach out, stay in bed and get all that we want. God wants to work with us in our lives God calls us to work in partnership with him. We are his children. He wants to bless us and provide for us. He wants to provide the very best for us, even if we don't understand God's timing. We have to wait patiently for his promises to be fulfilled. And looking back, sometimes there is joy in the journey, even if the journey is difficult. It came home to me the other day. Both my sons have gone off to university this year. We've kitted them out with absolutely everything and probably even more than they need. And they can always come home if they're in trouble. But it struck me as we left and hugged and I sent them on life's adventure. God is exactly the same with us. 
He wants to bless us and provide for us all that we need. He's there waiting every day, wanting an update on our progress through prayer. He wants his face to shine upon us. He wants us to rejoice in him for all he has done. All we need to do is acknowledge that we need God as part of our lives. And we can ultimately rejoice in the fact that we're safe in his care. God has it. However, my son is still self-isolating and waiting the results of his COVID test. Life is never risk-free, trouble-free. Love is never a risk-free option. It wasn't for God, but yet God still reigns sovereign over all. However, the world increasingly says we don't need God. Technology, medicine and PPE can provide for all of our needs. But it begs the question, if we can do everything ourselves, why would we need to rejoice always in the Lord? And what are we rejoicing for? Will we pat ourselves on the back, be assured in our own pride that we have done a good job, that we've done it all ourselves? That joy is very short-lived. However, if we trust in God and allow God to be part of our lives, then it will create in us a spirit of thankfulness, awe, wonder, reverence and joy. We can rejoice that God is our Abba Father. We are his children and he loves us. The one who heals us. We can rejoice in Jesus who listens and understands, helps us through the difficult and the good times. Jesus went through it all, and he goes through it all with us. We can rejoice that we are part of God's family forever. We can continually rejoice for the times God has shown his grace in our lives, stepped into our lives beyond our understanding, beyond our hopes and dreams, and made a difference. These are the truths Paul is always rejoicing in. Even though in prison, he can rejoice in his relationship with Jesus. In chapter 3, verse 8, he wrote, I count everything as lost because of this surprising worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul rejoices and finds joy in working in partnership with the Philippian church. When we work together as God's family in unity, without grumbling and complaining, there's a joy, even with its challenges. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The word sustaining is the same as carrying or bringing. As the crippled man was brought to Jesus to be healed, Jesus is sustaining and holding this world together day by day by day with his love with his powerful word, until he comes again and his kingdom is at hand here today for us. We can rejoice always that our loving God keeps us day by day, just as he kept Paul in jail and was with him. We can know joy because Christ went freely to the cross for each one of us. 
not thinking of the cost to himself, but freely opened his arms like Mr. Tickle on the cross and died so that we might know his love and grace in our lives. And he endured the cross for the joy set before him. And you and I are that joy. He died for each one of us. And we all reflect something of God's glory in our lives. And we can rejoice as we see one another and see something of God in them. The problem is, though, being a Christian doesn't make us perfect. We make mistakes. We hold on to regret. If we are to be joyful always, we need to forgive and to be, and to be forgiven each and every day. There is a joy in making up with friends. There is a joy in knowing freedom from guilt and shame, rejoicing in God's mercy. Lasting joy comes from knowing that we are with God always and that Jesus loves us exactly as we are. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. By God's grace, we can never fall too far. The chasm is, the chasm is never too deep of his love. We can perhaps see life as a roller coaster. When we're up, God loves us and we love him. When we're down in the depths, God doesn't love us and we don't love him. However, as we were reminded a few weeks ago, we can never fall too far below God's glove and God's grace. We can never far, fall too far away that the catcher doesn't catch us. We're always safe in God's love and grace. Ian reminded us the other week that we can rejoice in God's mercy and forgiveness if we confess our sins to God. But Max Licardo also writes, grace goes beyond mercy. Mercy gave Ruth some food. Grace gave her a husband and a home. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace threw him a party. Mercy prompted the Samaritan to bandage the wounds of a victim. Grace prompted him to leave his credit card as payment for the victim's care. Mercy forgave the thief on the cross. Grace escorted him into paradise. Mercy pardons us from guilt. Grace woos and weds us. Do we know the last words in the Bible? It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with his people. Amen. The more we learn of God's grace, God's unconditional love and unmerited favour, we can rejoice always in that. We can rejoice in God's blessings. In Acts chapter 4, as the early church grew, it says much grace was upon them. We need God's grace in our lives to rejoice. Paul had no right to receive God's love and grace, having persecuted the early church, put Christians to death. But yet God did it anyway, because his love knows no bounds. I'm not sure if you've been um, to Brussels or visited the lace makers there. But the lace makers uh, traditionally sat in darkness in damp rooms, and there was only a small light in the room for them to work by, so that the thread or the, um, the fine um, cotton wouldn't break. And sometimes that's like life for us. We're left in the dark working 
and not understanding what God is doing. But as we work with him, the pattern emerges. And the finished piece of lace is only truly appreciated when it comes fully into God's light. And the promise for each one of us is that one day we will be fully with God in heaven to know his presence and to rejoice in that presence now and for eternity, full of joy and full of thankfulness. It would be great to preach a sermon to make life perfect that we could rejoice every day in every situation. However, life can be difficult in our second choice world. Life and the evil one tries to steal joy from us. We can try and rejoice in our own achievements for a short while. But does this world truly satisfy? However, when Paul says rejoice always, he's rejoicing in Jesus' reckless love. He's rejoicing in the fact that we can know our Heavenly Father and be part of his family. He's rejoicing in the fact that God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. He's rejoicing in the fact of God's grace. Time and time again, God has stepped into his life, Paul's life, and rescued him and provided for him. He's rejoicing that God has built a church and that the church is thriving. He's rejoicing that he has the Holy Spirit within him, God's power to bring love and joy and peace into his life. And he's rejoicing in all those that he has shared that love with and are going on in their faith. Our circumstances may be difficult. We may not feel like rejoicing. But in Christ, in the Lord, we can rejoice because he is truly faithful. He is the one who loves us and never leaves us. And so as we shortly come around the communion table and the, and the band come up, I can't do anything but pray that God's blessing would be upon us that God by his Holy Spirit would fill us and give us the strength today and in the future to rejoice always in the Lord because of always because of what Christ has done through his love and through his grace for each one of us so the Lord bless you the Lord keep you the Lord's face shine upon you and know his peace Amen